Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right. Let's roll. Yes. That is an opening right there. Man, I wish I had hair. So when I'm doing this and you can't see it, my hair is actually bopping around like in the 80s. Like twisted did, you, sister. did you ever have hair like that? Not that long, but oh. I had it feathered and stuff to where I carried, you know, I carried a comb in my pocket like all the kids did in the eighties. Oh. And I, you know, between classes, I'd have the mirror in my locker and feather it back and stuff. And it was, you know, so you know, what we may have to do one of these shows is do like a retro picture so that they can see Andy Smith with not only hair but feathered hair. Feathered. It was feathered. That was a thing. You would tell I'm the barber. Well aware. It's feathered yeah, you, hair. You would tell the would tell the barber, you know, feather it up, feather it up good. And, and then you, you then you came into the mullet phase. I never had a mullet. I, I remember walking in and I wanted one of those haircuts. And I walked in with uh um it was long shot. I think it was like X-Men uh oh, God. 10 with the comic book, and I said, This is what I want my hair to look like. And she goes, I've been doing this for 25 years. Uh, you are the first person who's ever walked in with a comic book and said, give me that haircut. And, and it worked. I looked like Longshot. <laughs> and did you um, did you also tape your two fingers together so you could have three fingers like Longshot? I did not. She wouldn't understand that. You know, yes. You or, or I'm not like Kurt Warner, you know, and have three fingers just right. naturally. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Super Bowl quarterback Hall of Famer, Kurt Warner. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not like him either. No, yeah, no, Kurt definitely Wagner. Yeah, that's Nightcrawler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what I was going with. Not, not the quarterback. You've got football on the brain because this Pat. Oh, wait a second, Heidi Ho. Welcome to the Dennis and Andy show. I can't forget our intro. I'm Andy, and I'm Dennis. You should know that by now. But for everybody that's new, we like to refresh people's minds. So, anyhow, what happened this past weekend? Football happened. One of the greatest games ever in the NFL. Oh, wait. No. No, it was the Bucks in, in no, Kansas. City. Maybe it's a five-year thing. And what I mean by that is if you watch the Super Bowl, you realize it was a snooze fest because the Bucks just rolled over the Chiefs so badly. It's not even funny. But five years ago when it was the Broncos – and the Panthers, it was the same type of thing, wasn't it? Didn't the Broncos just roll the Panthers pretty Yeah, well? you know, they've had a few snoozers. But, you know, when you have a bad game, we always had to look forward to the commercials, an interesting halftime show. What did we get this time? C, D, none of the above. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't. If you were uh, if you were a Tampa fan or a Kansas City fan, well, no. Only if you were a Tampa fan did you enjoy this game. Or a Tom Brady fan. Right, right. Seriously, nobody else enjoyed this game. Well, in this household, my daughter's a Bucks fan. We're rooting for the Bucks. So needless to say, go Bucks. We're very happy. But you know, one thing I was thinking of when the game was over, the Chiefs were so bad, it couldn't help me but think that if the original Native Americans fought as badly as the Chiefs played, it's no wonder they got their asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> you mean we just watched our own little little big horn, <laughs> right? Oh my god! I, mean, it, I it, can't believe you went there. It sums it up so well. The Chiefs played so bad. The Native Americans are now going. You know what? You're right. You guys need to change your name because you are definitely giving us a bad name. The Chiefs is actually complimentary, but no, forget it. In yeah. fact, let the Redskins have their name back. We'd rather have that. I, than what the Chiefs just did. I sent Andy a 15-second meme that my brother had forwarded. <laughs> and it's basically, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, and he's running. You know, Jack uh, is running, Sparrow's running for his life. And it says, Patrick Mahomes. Wait, you said that to me on Facebook, right? Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, my God. It is so funny. And then there's the Bucks defense chasing him down. It is so hilarious. Hold on here. Let's just see. I might be able to get it. 
Oh my God. Of course, this one time messenger's taking forever. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Let's if see. we could play it, dude, it's funny. I guess it, it, it's, it's, it's funny. And I'm like, but that is what, what the game was. It was a horribly boring game with horribly, I thought the halftime show was a snoozer. Now the little kids that were all over, they were excited, really excited for it. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Did you get it? Pause it and get back to the beginning. All right. We'll show it to you because we're in a sharing mood. This was basically the game. So unless you're Bart Sears or some of those guys down there, you know, that were down in Tampa who were giving crap throughout the game, yeah. So sad. <laughs> but seriously, that sums up the highlight. Or one of the guys had sent one, and it was, here's the Kansas City Chiefs highlight. And then it's got this music playing, and you see the picture of the, you know, the Chiefs emblem. And then it switches, and you think it's going to highlights, and then it says, "Oh, thank you for doing." <laughs> it is. It is literally. I told Courtney about it. It's because it was on Twitter. She's not. And I told her. I said it is literally eight seconds of uh, eight seconds of just the Chiefs logo, and it says like Kansas City highlights, and it just stays on that for eight seconds. <laughs> it says, "Thank you. We'll see you next season." Thank you. We'll see you next season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was. That was the highlight. So the only thing, it was not only a, a, a horror game, the commercials were for the most part uh, very forgettable, and the halftime highlight, everybody was bored. It was just seriously. Well, see, I like, okay, I like the weekend, and I like every song, because, you know, whenever they do the Super like Bowl. Like the songs. Well, that's my point. When they do the Super Bowl halftime show, it's always the artist does a compilation of his hits. Of yep. their hits. So, you know, five songs smashed down into like five minutes or right. whatever. And every one of those songs I like, but the show itself. Correct. Somebody said that the guys wearing the masks looked like they were wearing jock straps. They, they literally, that's what everybody <laughs> said that where we were. They were like, why is everybody running around with jock straps on their head? And I'm like, oh my God, this is just. Well, and then when he went oh. to, the, when he went into like that hall of mirrors, it legit looked like he was lost. Like, you know, the cameraman is like literally as close as I am to you. Yeah. Right. But it really did look like he was lost and he just had no clue where he was going, yeah. which I'm sure that wasn't the plan. So, so boring game, boring everything. The only highlight is if you're a Bucks fan, which Courtney is, or if you're in a Super Bowl playoff pool, which we were, and you're and, this guy. Yeah. Yeah, this he guy. was ahead last week, and he picked the Bucks. So that means Andy won the CBS Our Madness Playoff. But goal. it's not just because I picked the Bucks. I mean, if if the Bucks lost, I would have been in second place. Right. It was all down. To it that. just happens to be that I know how to pick them, shall we say? Because I'm eleven and two, yep. and the only reason I lost two. And obviously, you could say, ah, oh, you're just saying that because you lost. But this is God's honest truth, swearing a Bible if I had one. The day of those two games that I lost, I heard some stupid NFL commentator say something. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. And I switched to the team that lost. Because if I listened to the commentators. Right. If I would have stuck with my original picks, I would have had a perfect playoff season into the Super Bowl. But I'll take 11 and 2 because I stand alone you won. at the top of the heap. You won. And you were third Andy place. wins. Andy wins. Yes, I took third, but that's Much just better a, than the fantasy. Yeah, well, yeah. We, we've hashed that enough. That's right. So with Super Bowl being over, we don't have to talk football until next season. So, and, uh, I mean, we might touch on the draft. Well, that and the fact that uh, – that Dak, apparently they released this interesting thing in the Cowboys, and it was a video, and guess who didn't even make the cut? They accidentally left him out of the video. and it, it, out of the video. Yeah, and that's made a lot of waves down in Dallas, so you might want to check your uh, your Dallas team. I will say I saw a meme that I I can laugh at my own team that I, my, I'm a fan of, the Cowboys, and there was a meme that said, Easy way to guarantee 
a team never plays in the Super Bowl at their own stadium, always hosted in Dallas. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, when did the Cowboys become the butt of the jokes of the NFC East? Because I'm sorry, 25 it's years still, ago it started. It's still no bullshit. It's still <laughs> the Redskins. I'm sorry, Washington. Washington to me, out of the NFC East, is always bottom of the barrel. I don't give a crap that they made the wild card this year because they immediately got eliminated. Yeah. To me, they're always number four. Uh-huh. Whatever. Well, and, and yet they made the playoffs. Shut up. Yep. So Anyhow. Instead of with football being over, let's see, what is today? Oh, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's New Comic so, Day. Exactly. What did the boys get? What did the boy? We made our trek to the comic shop. I went before I went to a doctor to get my second shingle shot. <laughs> I know somebody my age should not be getting a shingle shot. I only look like I'm 30, but I'm at the age where you should get one. You're Terry Bradshaw's age, which is what he gets paid to talk about it. That's right. So what did the boys get? Well, let's find out. Boom. First off, looks like Dennis picked up Wolverine, black, white, and blood. I think I'm going to wait till the next issue, and then I'll probably sit down and read them, and then maybe we'll do a review on them. We'll find out. So we'll how many issues out. is this thing? Because it's not monthly. It's a, it's a, just a mini-series. I don't know if it's a four or a six. Got so we'll, I'll find out when, when number four comes out, and then I'll probably read it. Because, you know, if I didn't like it, then I might not pick him up, and I know I kind of have to pick up Wolverine. So hopefully it's good. Because he's in the X family. He is. He's one of my X dudes. Well, this is one of mine. We're, we're going just back and forth. Uh, out of all the future state stuff that comes out, I have been getting Justice League. Once again, I buy stuff more for the art. And if the story's good, I'll keep doing it. I like Robson Roca's artwork. So that's why I got it. Um, I think it's pretty cool. I do like what they're doing with it. So, you know, I, I think this is it. I think there's only two issues of this anyhow. So uh, I'll read this. I like the cover, too. I think that cover is pretty, pretty snazzy. Snazzicles. Oh, another one of mine. Dark Detective. Love Dan Moore's artwork ever since I discovered it on Klaus at Boom Studios. And he did Power Rangers, which I bought for a while because of his art. Uh, the storyline's pretty good. You know, right here, this is Bruce Wayne, who is supposed to be dead. Oh, spoiler alert. So then who's this guy? Well, you'll have to read it to find out. I don't know. I'm not picking up. You just spoiled it. But I do like, uh, like I said, the artwork alone has me sold. It's got a nice grifter backup story. I like the art in that as well. Um, I'm blanking on who drew it now. So, oh, well, sue me. But if you're a fan of uh, Batman, it is a different take. Uh, well, I could spoil more about the deal with Bruce Wayne here, but I'm not going to. Oh, this is a Dennis book. Well, actually, I'm done for the week. I only bought two books. So the rest are Dennis's pickups. If yeah, you know Voyager. Dennis. It's Star Trek. It's Star Trek. Uh, and, you yeah, know, Seven Way. of Nine's always good. Um, it's Janeway, right? Yep. Yep. It's solid. Seven's Reckoning. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um We've got uh, Darth Vader. Uh, I've got Darth Vader, um, you know, picking up on that. That story's been solid, um, you know, so I'm, I'm liking where it's going. This has been a pretty much going to be a, a pretty much an X uh, with a little bit in there. But, you know, we got uh, uh, Excalibur, oh, of course. which has always been this has been really a surprisingly fun book again. Anything was sinister on it. They, I've said it before. They're just doing some fun stuff with him, and he's annoyingly interesting and quirky. Let's just put it that way. Nice cover. I really like uh, Mahmoud Asra's work. He did the cover, not the interior. Marcus Toad did the interior, whose work I do like as well. Yep. It's good stuff. Very solid. Sword. Sword has been interesting. I'm kind of liking where they're going. Uh, this is the third one. We reviewed the first one, and number two was good. So we're just going to continue on. Hopefully, they're going to make this really interesting. And, yeah, can't wait to see where they're going to take it. Nice. And X-Force, of course. Yep. So like I said, pr pretty solid X week. Um, double shit some of this stuff? Because it hasn't been a year and a half since this came out, has it? For what? This is issue 17, which if it was monthly would basically mean it's been a year and a half. But it hasn't been a year and a half since number one came yeah, out. Yeah, they didn't double ship it. 
Really? No. So it's been that long? Yeah. Long ago since number one, huh? Wow. Time flies. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. And then the new one that we're taking a chance at, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it right away, uh, Radiant Black. So it's an image comic. Um, you know, it's kind of in the veins of Invincible, Mighty Morphin, Power Ranger. It's a new ongoing series. Um, uh, Kyle Higgins, he did uh, Ultraman and, and uh, Cowl. And then um, Marcelo Costa. Um, so he's the artist. Uh, it looks very interesting. Um, there's, he's looks like the guy's kind of a bit of a, of a loser. He's, he's working multiple jobs, credit cards piling up, and um, he unlocks some interesting abilities. Something happens. Um, so the powers that he gets, though, they don't belong to him. And the cosmic beings who created these abilities, they want them back by any means necessary. So they're coming after him. Interesting little take. So very, very interesting. Well, I'm going to read it and see if it's uh, going to be worthy of continuing. Dennis is going to try and talk me into reading it after he does. Yep. So let's see if he's successful. If he is, I'll give it a read and we'll, of course, review it. it unless I think it's terrible, then we will never hear about You'll it never again. never hear about it again. <laughs> never. Never again will you hear about this. What do we got next here? Let's see. So what we've got next is... We our said our reviewing. We both sat down and uh, and read this. So I was very excited um, to see it. So I'll talk a little bit about the history, and then I'll let Andy get into uh, it itself. This is Cyberpunk 2077 Trauma Team. Now, Trauma Team, this is actually based off of it's a, it's a video game. All right. But its origins aren't just here. My origins go all the way back. Um, this was a role playing game. And I used to do the role playing game back in, well, I think it came out right in early college and stuff. There was originally, there's an original version, it was published in 88, which for me would have been in, in wait, wait. high school. Here's yeah. what I love. So this one is Cyberpunk 2077. So you're like, wow, that's really in the future. Look at this. Cyberpunk 2020. Right. Well, the first, <laughs> in 1988. The first so. Cyberpunk, which I don't have a, a shot for, was actually in 1988. Right. Second edition was is what you're seeing now, which was Cyberpunk uh, 2020, which was published in 1990. So that was the. This is already the second and look, edition just, of the game. Just wait. Hold on. Just look. Hold on. I want to zoom in on this real quick. This is where we get robbed with what we expected in the future in 1990. Well, you could say there's pistols that look like that. There are your there, tents there are no your cars that look like this. Where are my cars that look like this? Damn it. We got robbed. We were told in 1990 that by now, we're a year above this. We'd have these hovering cars. They were. They're hovercraft. Well... Hey, and we there's do not have one in my draft. There's not one in my driveway, and there's not one I would bet in this whole freaking city. So Probably I'm sorry. Not. Now the background looks very, you know, China, Japan with all the lit up signs and stuff. So I'll give them that. But this is bullshit right well, here. Well, what do you mean? That was Sold an artist's take of it back in 1990. In 30 years in the future, we should look, you know, Blade Runner-ish. That's kind of what they were they're they're, they're thinking. All I'm saying is. After reading uh, this comic, which I'll get into the artwork side of it in a second, I'm going to feel ripped off if in 20, wait a second, 2077, I'll be dead. So, and I'm not being negative. It's just mathematically, if I am still around in 2077, yeah, I hear you. Knock on wood. But I'm betting they're not going to have that shit in 2077. That's all I'm saying. I, we, we'll have to, you know, we'll, we'll have this conversation in 2077. Because well, third edition actually takes place in the 2030s. And that was published in wow. 2005. And then, um, and then the fourth one is called Cyberpunk Red, the fourth edition. And that was sets place in 2045 which is the prequel to 2077. So there's a whole history of cyberpunk that started out as a, as a video game. So the interesting thing is I should be alive in 20, so should you 2045. That's yeah. 24 years from now. Yeah. 
So 75, I better make it that far. I'll pull my dentures out and we'll have a conversation talking about the fact that that game was supposed to be here. Well, that, that, that was reality. Really sound like this. It'll be slurring and stuff because you won't have teeth. But advanced tech will be so good that it'll pick it up and actually no, it. advanced tech will be so good you won't have dentures. You'll just have total. Well, they have implants now. You yeah. just have full teeth implants screwed right in. So the background of this is it's kind of cool. So this takes place. It's a dystopian future. And its background is kind of, for 2077 now, now we get through kind of the background. So this isn't just like a made-up that somebody did. There's a set entire universe that they've created, oh, yeah. you know, stating back to 88. It's step into the year 2077, a world dotted with the dystopian metropolis where violence, oppression, and cyberware implants aren't just common. They're a, a, a necessary tool to get ahead. Delve into the insets of lore and discover how the economic decline of the United States created a crippling dependence on devious corporations and birthed the free state of California. Explore the various districts, gangs, and history of Night City. Learn all there is to know about the technology of tomorrow and the research of cybernetics, weapons, and the vehicles of Cyberpunk 2077. Wait a second. So California is dystopian in this? California is, is, is the Newsom still the governor? So we already know <laughs> none of that is real because, you know, that, that's supposed to be the free state. Right. Whereas we all know that the the Silicon Valley overlords are actually in California. Right. So it's kind of the reverse of what we know will happen unless something changes. Well, you know, we you got 60-some years, and Han Newsom won't be around. Yeah. So anyway, that's the background going into it so you get a feel of what the book's supposed to be like. And then, Andy, why don't you talk a little bit about the, uh, the writer, the artist, and, and stuff. So the art is by somebody whose name I'm sure I will butcher because I have a tendency to do that unless their name is Dennis Turner or Andy Smith. His name is Miguel Valderrama. Oh, I didn't do a bad job. Actually, that's, that's really close. Yeah. So Miguel Valderrama is the artist, uh, the pencil and ink artist, and then the colorist is Jason Wordy. And it's really nice. That's one of the things that uh, – so Dennis bought him and let me borrow him. And I read them over the weekend and I was I was really like impressed with this artwork. Everything, like I said, from the guy's line art to the coloring. I mean, the coloring really brings it all together. It's uh, it's a nice uh, pseudo painterly type style. Um, I love this first panel. This is page one from issue one. Love this first panel establishing shot. Really futuristic looking. It just really sells the scene of it being 2077. Um, this is great, great panel here, the different different type of people and expressions. He really pulls across nicely. Uh, let me see what else we got here. This is not page, oops, this is not page two, it's page three or four in issue one. Really nice layout though, with the guy on a stretcher and then the panels overlapping like that. I'm telling you, man, in 2777, I might not be around, but I'll be looking down on everything going on. And if I don't see an ambulance like that flying around, I'm going to be pissed. Um, so anyhow, I, I really like the art. The layouts are really nice and inventive. The storytelling is really clear but exciting. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about it. I thought the story was really good, too. Um, yeah, I, I will say this. So with the background, the, the universe that they've created that I've played with here and there throughout the decades, it's a really, we, we know it's dystopian. It's really a gritty kind of a world that they have here. In a way, like Blade Runner, you know, and that's yeah. what's like that opening shot kind of reminds me of, uh, of Blade Runner in terms of how you can see it. You can feel what's going on in the future. And it immediately pulls you in. Um, the, the artwork and the coloring that they used makes it feel just as gritty as what you would expect from something set. I think from the setting that they have, I think it was a perfect blend of artistic creativity and, and the story writing. I thought it meshed very well with what they were trying to accomplish. One of the things I really like about this panel 
besides the color scheme of it, I, you know, you can tell it's futuristic. I love this big monolithic building here. But from an art standpoint, I love how he drew the uh, ambulance here in a different perspective from the city. Because a lot of times you see in comics when there's something that's flying through the air, it's drawn in the same perspective, which is fine. But by tilting it like this, it just gives a sense that it's it's coming in more at a at a tilted type angle, you know, flying into the scene. I thought that was really cool. I like the design of it. You know, I really like this coloring. Um, these dudes look cool because the medical trauma team, not only are they like uh, paramedics, but they also have weapons because they fly into these hot zones. So instead of having to rely on cops and, you know, instead of like now in the real world where, you know, at a scene, the police will show up and then they might call in the EMTs and everything. Screw that. EMTs are armed here. They well, don't need to wait. On but the but they're not public. So the way it works is you've got big corporations right. that, that, that have it. So this, they open it up really nicely. Um, you know, the, this name of the city is called night city and it's really cool. Cause one of the early shots, you see the brilliant lights, um, they illuminate like, you know, the city and where you can see from your perspective, you see blood and bullets scattered all over the pavement. Um, like Andy was saying, each panel is sophisticatedly, sophisticatedly drawn. It's very detailed. Um, but all of a sudden you see two men, they emerge from the cover with assault weapons and they wind up having this battle. They're quickly eliminated. And then moments later, a heavily armed hovercraft touches down and they're specialists. They're this trauma team um, and they're called Trauma Team International and they get to work. And Nadia is the main character and she's a very interesting character. Um, and, you know, it starts off where they're talking about their pays because, you know, nobody's paid what they're worth, you know, right. and, and that's what it's all, all about. Some things don't change even that far into the future. Exactly. Um, she talks about how she knows it's a job, but she feels like it should be something more. Um, again, because they're paid to go into these hot spots and rescue people. Um, and usually they're never really good spots. So it's it's a very interesting um, story. They do talk about the fact that their track record was flawless so that next year's premium can be beefed up to $200 a minute. So if you call somebody in, you've got to have a lot of money because the moment you get the call, it's $200 a minute they're charging you. Right. So assuming it's a 60-minute you know, jaunt and however many minutes it takes here, you're paying a lot of money to be extracted. But that's the company. The, these guys here are probably making maybe, because I'm sure it'll take effect by then, the $15 an hour federal minimum wage. There it is. I'm yes. assuming that's what these guys get when yes. they court take all the extra money. Yeah. That's, that's, my, that's my guess. Um, so the basic gist with this storyline is Nadia, the main character Dennis was talking about, who's part of the trauma team, goes in with her, the rest of the team. And basically the rest of her team gets eliminated by this one dude. And she's the only one left standing. So now you, you as the story moves forward, she's with a new team who gets called out to a scene. Well, right, but even before that, so this is the cool thing. She has, just like now, if, if you have something traumatic happen, they won't put her back in the field. Oh, right. Yeah. She actually talks to a doctor, and it's very interesting how they're trying to pull information out, like you would see in some of the detective stories and stuff like this uh, going into it. But the dialogue is so really well done that as the doctor's talking to her and she's trying to give answers, you start, things start being revealed, who she's intimately in, involved right. with and what his opinions are. And the, it, it's, it's engaging. For the least what I would call exciting part of this universe would be the trauma team. This is a captivating story that you really get to know her as a character and it's it's just very well done. Yep. Nope. I agree. And so, so what happens is they get called on to this other uh, client. They're called, you know, obviously clients that they have to save for the new the new team 
for the new team that she's a part of. And it just so happens the client they have to save is the guy that took out her team in the first place in issue one. So now there's that conflict where she's like, I, I don't want to save this guy, but she has to. And here's the great, we, we, we don't want to spoil the, the scene, but the, the pure emotion that you get, you know, as you're going through it and you can see her reaction and feeling even in a helmet and stuff, it's it's so well done. You you feel it and you're like, oh, damn, that did not just happen. I mean, it's just incredibly well done. The emotions that running through it, they're portrayed very well. And like I said, the combination of the art and, and, and the writing, just pull it forward. It's very, very well done. I love the little... Uh things that this guy does the artist does with you know this guy's shot and there's a little chunk taken out of his shoulder because i mean that's what happens yeah you know you get chunks taken out yeah. um well and what's interesting you notice he's got a cybernetic arm and stuff so this yeah. takes place so this this comic deals just with the trauma team um what i'm really hoping they do in the future is that they do more in the world of cyberpunk because you know they've got net runners um, and if you think of a net runner, think of the movie like Johnny Mnemonic um, or The Matrix, you know, where Neo gets jacked in. And right. then, so they, they, they run, you know, data and stuff like uh, that. Um, but it deals, they have, they have uh, what they call rocker boys, bodyguards and assassins, computer hackers, which are the net runners, road warriors, the nomads, um, street experts. Um, you know, they've got... Uh, the journalists and reporters, they got mechanics, they got doctors, they got this whole array of interesting characters to deal with. This is just dealing with the trauma team and the way it's set in the in the corporate future. So very cool. Um, like I said, they're probably going into it one of my least favorite aspects of the universe. But the story was so good, I really want them to put out something else. I love it. See, I thought it was really, I guess because I don't know that I didn't even know there was an RPG game or any of that until, you know, Dennis told me about this last week. If you would have told me what cyberpunk 2077, I'd be like, I don't know, some new video game that literally just came out, not from 33 years ago. Uh, I, you know, when he first was like, dude, you got to read this. I was like, trauma team. It's about medics. <laughs> I, he was like, no, I read it. And I was like, wow, this is actually really good. So it was above my expectations um, by all accounts. So we'll give it our CGC grade. Uh, I'll go first. I'll give it a, a 7.8. You know, I think it's very, I think it's well worth a read. If you like science fiction stuff. It's definitely worth it. I assume there will be a trade paperback because it was a four-issue miniseries. So you can either wait for the trade. If you don't want to wait for the trade, just pick up the four issues. It's still available. But uh, if you like sci-fi stuff, Blade Runner-esque type stuff, I would get it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, again, not my normal type of stuff that I would read as a comic, but it just piqued my interest. And I'm not going to play the game. The, the, the game's got so many issues anyway. I've already given up on that. Um, uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5. I thought it was really enjoyable. Um, and then the ending was, I'll just say it was very sudden. Oh, it was a very yeah. bleak ending. Um, well, but it's what you expected for something that's kind of futuristic noir type of, uh, of a setting. Without giving the ending away. Yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, I think it's good. But without giving it away at all, the ending, it's the type of ending that definitely leaves you questioning. And it almost leaves it up to you on what happened in the last scene is the only way to describe it without giving it away. And I don't, we're definitely not going to give it away, but I thought the ending was really good. And it, it just reminds you of the mo a movie where, once again, it has this this ending that ties everything up, but then still leaves this one question, and the screen just goes black, and you're like, "What? What? What? What yeah. happened?" Yeah. So, but it's also not an ending where there needs to be a second series about the trauma team to pick it up. It's not like a to be continued thing at all. 
it wraps up the story, but it just leaves you kind it's, of to your own imagination. It's of, like a choose your own adventure. It is. It's, it's choose your, your own adventure. They went this way or this right. way, and we just don't know which way yeah. it went. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So definitely a, a recommended read, and you know you should still be able to find them at your local comic shops. Yep. Totally. So next up, we just want to talk about briefly, Sea Dog and Kill Switch. Sea Dog and Kill Switch, another book I happen to have right here, is uh, is an Indiegogo campaign by writer Mark Poulton and artist Clint Helinski. And this is the, this is number one that we're showing. Number two is on Indiegogo right now. We actually uh, on a show we did Monday. We did an interview with Mark and Clint, so you can check it check that out on the YouTube channel or iTunes to listen to the interview we did with those guys about the book and how they created Sea Dog and Kill Switch and about the new campaign, which I believe ends in the next few days for volume two. Uh, it's a fun book. Sea Dog is a character. He is, I'll blow this up so we can point him out. You can probably guess who Sea Dog is. But this dude right here. Oh, the one the that dog, looks like a dog? Is Sea Dog. Huh. And then Kill Switch is actually the code name for a team of characters and it's all the other guys on the cover and basically sea dog's a character that mark Poulton, the writer created with his 10 year old son yeah him and chase they they created yep. this character so i thought that was pretty cool well and and i liked it right away so it was interesting we we did a cool interview and you can go back and uh, on youtube or uh if you listen to an audio and listen to our interview for monday we didn't get a chance to really we talked about their campaign and their backgrounds and stuff like that um i had just read the book so you know we figured we we at least want to do a review on the book so everybody kind of knows i love one of the things they do with sea dog sea dog so what can sea dog do sea dog has the ability he's like he flies he has super strength so he's really cool there but he also has the ability to turn into any type of a sea creature, right? Which is really cool, like Sea Dog. So, and and they show it throughout the comic, and it's really cool. The interesting thing about it is he's got an alternate personality, also called Sea Dog, but that is C W D A W G. Sea Dog, which is funny. They listed in the comic as he's the world's most famous canine rapper. See, so my question is, which it doesn't get explained here, but I love it, is he the only canine rapper, or right. is there a whole bunch of them, right. and he's just the best of them? I don't know, but it's really cool. Sea Dog is his, you know, Clark Kent with the DWAG, and then he turns into Sea Dog, the superhero, and it's pretty funny. It is enjoyable. It's a fun book. I was attracted to Clint's artwork. Once again, I, I told them this on the interview we did where when I go to a campaign page for comics, the first thing I do is look at it because if the art is appealing to me, that's when I'll read what it's about and most likely back it. And I like Clint's art because Clint's art is a big throwback to the 90s. He's doing a little bit of a Jim Lee, a little bit of a J. Scott Campbell uh, art style, which I think is really cool. And it is. It's a fun, it just reminds you of a, a 1990s fun superhero team book. So that is uh, what I liked about it. And like Dennis said, the story beats that he talked about as well, I thought were, were really cool. Yeah, his, the story, it, it did. It, it took me back. It was absolutely 1990s-ish. Um, everything about it, you know, even like the guns and stuff, when you see some of the guns that he draws and I love his art, um, it reminds me of Liefeld a little bit. It still had the exact, you know, how he always had the oval on his guns at the front end. It looked, it was usually yellowish and it was being same exact type of guns. I mean, you, you, you see the stuff, the cauldrons, uh, uh, the pauldrons, the shoulder pads. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just harkens back to, you know. The good days of image and when those guys came out, the style is right with them. And I mean, the story is fun to go with it. It was just, it was very neat. It was, it, it's just, a, if you like the 90s type of comic books, you, you absolutely wouldn't be, you will not be disappointed with this. Yeah, I would, uh, 
I would definitely pick this up. You can go to their Indiegogo for volume two and get volume one as an add-on so you can still get it. Yeah. Andrew Dollhouse did the, uh, yep. um, he did the coloring and I thought, you know, I, I think his coloring pairs up really well uh, with, with, with Clint's art. Yeah. Andrew's a great, a uh, great guy. I've worked with him a few times. He's a, uh, he's a really top notch colorist that's worked for DC, Marvel, Valiant. Um, they really put a, put together a good team on this book. So check it out. I think she's my fave. Which one? This Rebel or oh, Neon? Neon. Yeah, so the story's kind of interesting because in his world, they have metas, you know, and they, they don't call them superhumans. They're, they're called metas. And people are trying to capture him, and she's running away from him and happens to try and get lost in the crowd during a Sea Dog uh, concert. We don't want to give away too much about it, but she winds up, you know, Sea Dog winds up having to go back and change into his, you know, superhero ego and and attempt to save the day. Uh, lots of things. They they do a really cool origin about Sea Dog's origin in here with the little boy who had him because he's an actual dog yep. and how he's fishing and winds up getting the medallion and how this all transpires. Cool, a cool, fun story. The the characters that they have in there, Sea Dog is great. Soldier Seven, I mean, he's your typical, you know, guy from that era. Uh, Rebel, we don't know much about her, so she's kind of an enigma. I really want to know more. I bet they go into it more in the second one. Crotch Rocket, probably my favorite Crotch name Rocket, of a character. It was great, and he is exactly. He's kind of like a Deadpoolish kind of guy, yeah. you know. And but great name. Neon's a blonde one that, that Andy likes. She's interesting. Stormborn reminds me of a lot like it's like He-Man with dual swords and stuff like that. Um, it's just very interesting. Conan-ish, He-Man-ish. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, and Tundra, he's like your big rock looking dude, but he's like really smart and stuff like that. And he's kind of interesting. I want to know a little more about him too. But anyway, really a cool, interesting mix of characters. A throwback to the 90s. It was an enjoyable read front and back. And uh, the guys were very fun to talk to. Um, they, they, they were quite, quite, quite fun. It's a 48-page book. It's perfect bound, which means it's not stapled. It comes with little goodies. I got my, my trading cards right here. That's about as close as I can get. So I got trading cards of Sea Dog and kill switch and on the back of the cards it has their power ratings and brief bios and stuff so that's really cool it came with a little mini print as well which is pretty cool so you know the, the fun thing about getting stuff from us indie creators uh is you know we try to give extras to make it just as cool or cooler so you're not just buying in on a comic and you're getting and that cool, the, the the art is pretty cool because it's it's the kill switch team on one side and it's the uh, graveyard shift on the other ones and that's another what what he does another one of his comics so it was really cool to, that he put both of them together so anyway a great it's worth picking up um we like i said you can go back and find out more from our episode on monday but you can pick up, if you back the new one, they said on an add-on, you can get the number one, which is what I'm going to be doing. Ooh. Yeah. I'm going to pick them both I up. already backed number two, so I'm looking forward to getting it. Um, all right, moving on, a little bit of controversy coming out of Marvel last week with uh, their rendition of a popular character that's been around for 40-some years. Yep. She's going to have her own TV show coming up soon on Disney+. Plus. Uh, let's just jump right to it. She-Hulk or Man-Hulk. I mean, to me, this looks like the regular Hulk with a ponytail. So you see every every week when we go through the new comics, the current storyline in Avengers is dealing with, it's the Enter the Phoenix. They, they brought in the Phoenix Force back. She-Hulk gets imbued with the abilities of the Phoenix. And the Phoenix's primary purpose is to enhance who you are. So typically, we've seen her in Jean Grey. They so she's a man. Ones. She hawks a man, baby. Well, of course, it's a man. the current creators decided, well, no, 
we're just going to make She-Hulk look like Hulk. See, because... The, now, here's the thing. I, I don't know if there was a... I know I haven't kept up with Avengers, but I like Ed McGinnis' artwork, so I usually look at the stuff, you know, that he does. And I know recently there was an issue where he drew uh, She-Hulk, and she was bigger. And even over the past year, she's been bigger and more muscular, but she still had kind of an hourglass shape, like a woman just bigger. She had curves. She had curves. She was just bigger. Um, you know, when she, I when she I was in a really nice version. Yeah. Uh, when uh, I, oh, when I was growing was up, this is what I was thinking of. This is this is the She-Hulk basically I grew up with. And and Dennis. Yep. This is John Byrne. And every artist draws differently. So I mean, look, if John Byrne wanted to, or his editor said, no, no, we're drawing her bigger and more muscular now, but keep feminine attributes to her, yeah, she wouldn't look like this. She would she would be more muscular and you know bigger and thicker, but still have feminine attributes, I would assume. So with the artists that we're talking about here. Who, whose name, I don't know. I don't know the artist's name. And this isn't a bash on the artist because, once again, I don't know editorially what he was told to do. Because if your boss tells you to draw something a certain way, look, you know, the editor is your boss in comics. And if I'm told to draw something a certain way, I might not like it, but if I want a job, I'm going to do it. Or you'd be redraw. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, the issue I have is, okay, I get it. She's supposed to be bigger and more muscular. That doesn't mean you take away her boobs because look, there's, there's, there's just no, there's nothing feminine about this at all, I, except for the fact her hair is pulled back into a ponytail. But that's not even a thing because there's lots of guys that run around with long hair and a ponytail. I'm just jealous because I can't. Uh, but even her face is so hardcore that it's it's really not that feminine uh and i just think it's i just think it's weird and i don't understand here's a shot that i did i actually did this for my daughter uh so for my daughter every year she she gets a request and she, one year she wanted her favorite female characters from marvel and then i always draw my guy first man in the shot so this year you can tell you know captain marvel gwen Poole, uh, Lady Thor and She-Hulk. Look, She-Hulk has muscles. She-Hulk's basically a female bodybuilder. Yeah, that's green. You know, she was never meant to be that monstrous thing that Bruce Banner turns into. Because, as I know it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. And I had She-Hulk number one from when she came out in the '70s, but she basically back then got a blood transfusion from her cousin Bruce and because of that transfusion she changed into uh She-Hulk which was basically an attractive woman that was taller than most other people mm -hmm. but green right she, and i and well what i was just saying is my i guess the reasoning that she didn't get all huge and muscly back then is because all she got was a transfusion she wasn't doused with the rays like Bruce was. You know what I'm saying? So let's. So I guess my point is this: if the cousin was a guy and took a blood transfusion from Bruce, he probably wouldn't have hawked out like Bruce. He might have just gotten a little bit bigger and turned green. That's yep. that's kind of the what I'm assuming they were going. The, with. the the more gamma radiation. So there there have been a lot of arguments and stuff going on about it. It would enhance who you are. So right. I mean, I mean, if she got doused with more gamma radiation, she might get a little bit bigger and stuff like that. But it would still take her ability. Same thing with the Phoenix Force; it wouldn't just turn her into that. It's just a Hulk with a ponytail, um, you know. Uh, anyway, they've had a couple of people out there redrawing this particular panel. One of them was on YouTube, which was pretty good. The Star Wars girl, yeah. she redrew it and. You know, made her very big, very muscular, drew her with well, a full set of female anatomy, and it was really nice. She took this, and we don't have an image of it, but she basically took this and just drew over top of it and gave her actual breasts in proportion. Because, look, if everything's going to get bigger, everything gets bigger. It's not like, yep. 
whoa, your boobs don't get any bigger, but your body does. No, everything gets bigger. Yeah. So I'm assuming that if for some reason the Hulk started running around naked, he'd be swinging some massive wood down there because he's the Hulk. Yes, but since it's Marvel, you'll never know. You'll never know, which is fine. I don't want to know. <laughs> but the point is, her boobs should be bigger. She does actually have kind of an hourglass shape still, which is fine. Uh, I probably wouldn't have done this thing here and probably just shown her, you know, you know, tights, basically. But it, I just, if you cover the face and don't even look at the face, what are you talking and you about? Just look at the bite. Yeah, just do that. I mean, that's that, the Hulk. That that's the Hulk. That's I mean, they're, basically they're, that's, the Hulk. That's all there is to it. They basically are just drawing the Hulk. Taking it, away what makes wakes what makes Jennifer so Walters well, so that's, well loved by her fans. They they just basically stripped it away. Well, and that is it. That's what makes her unique. Because you'll get people online defending it, saying, "Oh, it's because you're a guy and you want to see hot chicks only." Blah blah blah. No, that's not it. I'm married. He's married. Th that is not. If I want to see hot chicks, I'll go get a freaking Playboy. I don't need to get a comic book. Or I don't know. If I want to see drawn hot chicks, I'm an artist. I'll just draw my own. Oh, look how the, you drew She-Hulk. I mean, look at Burn. Even that. I'm going to come to your house and rip up all of your X-Men. I mean, that is just, that made me alone buy that comic book back in the day. Sure. And yeah, I mean, there she is there. I didn't color this. Uh, somebody else did, uh, whose name I'm actually blanking on because it was a few years ago. But uh, I do like the color job. Yeah. But anyhow, no, it's the point. It's like Dennis said, She-Hulk was created for a specific reason. And as far as I'm concerned, the stories that they're telling with her currently could still be told with her looking like she did, you know, basically three years ago, which was more like this and more like even this. And you could still tell the story. I don't think if, uh, anybody saw this page and she was drawn like I drew her or John Byrne drew her, or just like a, a woman, somebody would go, Duh! what a bunch of crap this comic is. Dennis, this Phoenix storyline they're doing, they totally shit the bed, Dennis. She-Hulk just got the Phoenix power and she still looks like She-Hulk. What the hell, Dennis? She can't look like She-Hulk. She got the Phoenix power. There's nothing in the story and, that that would just explain why they needed to well, masculinize her. And Captain America didn't change. His costume just changed. Right. He got a Phoenix-esque costume. Black Panther got a Phoenix-esque costume. Did yes. Power Man even get one? Yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're all just getting Phoenix-esque costumes, but physically they're not changing. So why physically change her? Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't seem to make sense, and it's just... So it, our, our comic book not a, friends, we, we, we've it's not all, been, everybody's been talking about it, and I hate to say it, but nobody's of the opinion that they, they like this. No, and the funny thing is, I looked through this whole issue because uh, Dennis is buying the Avengers storyline because he likes Phoenix. Yep. And this is a different artist from the previous. This is the fourth out of a six-issue storyline. And the first three issues were drawn by the regular artist, I believe, Javier uh, uh, Garan, I believe his name is. I can't remember who drew this issue, but I, I looked through it because this is like the last page. So I was paging through it and I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's stuff is very complimentary to the regular artist on the book, as in the styles line up nicely. So it's not that jarring having this issue drawn by somebody else. And I'm looking through it going, man, this is really nice stuff. And I just got to this page and I'm just like, it's well drawn, so I'm not bagging on the guy, the guy's art, because I think it's well drawn. It's just not a good representation of She-Hulk, and this is the 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 marching orders I would assume from editorial going. She needs to be, you know, really huge and more male hawkish. And once again, if you're working for the company, they're your boss. So you know, if I was the artist on this book and that's what they said. I, you know, I would have drawn this. I would have made her personally. I still would have made her face a little more feminine and I would have, you know, 
made her boobs bigger to show that she's still female. You never know. Maybe the dude did that and editorial said, what are you doing? Change it. I don't know. No idea. All we know is the finished product. And, and finished I know product, that if this were a book on the shelf and that was the character, I would not spend my $3.99 on buying one. Yeah, you, you, that's the thing. If they put out a She-Hulk number one again, and this is what She-Hulk looked like, I'm betting money the book doesn't sell. Now, because there's no She-Hulk comic currently, they can do whatever they want. But I think they're not doing any service to saying, hey, we could possibly try and do a She-Hulk number one again. Not well, if she looks like this. You would think with the TV show coming up, they're going to want a mare you know, the TV show with the comic books, and they're going to want to utilize like a combination for excitement. If that's what they're going to pair with the TV show. I Well, the, well, the thing is, it's kind of like when you go to the movies and you don't buy comics, because when the movies were, when, when Marvel was like movie a year, which honestly this past year they would have done if it wasn't for COVID. Um, my point is Dennis used to work at a comic shop and and just from other people I know that worked at comic shops, the thing is, Avengers would come out. People would come into the shop and be like, hey, I just saw Avengers point me in that direction. And Marvel was trying, and you could tell by the costume designs, trying to incorporate more of the movie looks into the books so they could be like, yeah, check this out. Well, if when Disney Plus, and they haven't even started shooting the She-Hulk show as far as I know, but next year, because I assume it's not going to come out till next year, I guarantee you next year when that show comes out, she's back to looking like a woman again, because if somebody walks into the store and goes, hey, I just saw on Disney Plus the She-Hulk TV show, point me in the direction of a book that she's in. And I'm going to I'm also willing to bet she's going to have a book again next year. Yep. She's going to look like a woman again, because if she doesn't and she looks like this, they're going to be like, nope, nope, no one's going to buy it. Don't want it. Nobody's going to buy it. So on a CGC scale, not of this storyline, but just of what She-Hawk looks like, I'm going with a two. One out of ten, I'm giving it a two because it is not appealing at all. That is not what I think of. It's like if that's like going, hey, get this new Captain America. You love it. And I open it up and Cap is, you know, a hundred pound weakling running around in his costume. I'd be like, uh, or if he's, you know decided to go on a bender and eat a lot like Thor did, you know, fat Thor. Yeah. Then it's like, yeah, uh, I'm not buying that either because that's not what I expect when I think of Captain America. This is not what I expect when I think of She-Hulk. So don't do it. Yeah. It's kind of like the new, new warriors when, when they were going to come out with that book. And I was like, yep, there's nothing appealing about it. There's nothing appealing about, about this either. And, uh, you know, I'm right there on the CGC. I, I'm, I was going to say 2.5, but yeah. What I will do is that th this is just the visual is we, I will finish reading off the uh, Avengers Phoenix storyline and we'll review it at some point when it, when it finishes up. But um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see where this is going to go. But, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that it was Phoenix, if this is what I was getting, I, I would, Stop spending my money on it. Yeah, I agree. Well, there you go. That's our show. Yep. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm going to pitch, of course, my uh, Indiegogo because how many days are left? That's just it. Let me get it up here. Actually, we're going full screen with this baby. You can just hear our lovely voices. It ends in four days. Four days left. The Jump on My Campaign, first man graphic novel by me, Andy Smith, 64 pages, square bound, fun superhero adventure. Please check it out. I'll pop a link in the description. Oops, I almost copied the wrong one because that's how much of a fool I am. I'm going to pop a link in the comments for you guys. Please go check it out. Back it if you like fun superhero stuff. Give it a look. You'll enjoy it. I guarantee it. 64 pages of fun action. The book itself, you can get the book itself for 25. The program book is 15. Or you can get the whole complete set, which is 
my cover, Bart Sears variant cover, and the program book for 75. Give it a look. Indie creators like myself and like Mark Poulton and Clinton Halinski, Halinski with their Sea Dog and uh, Codename Killswitch really rely on you guys. Uh, thanks again for watching. You can catch us on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud if you just want the audio version. But we would love it if on YouTube you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, so you know when we go live. And uh, please share it around to all your comic book pop culture friends. Exactly. Exactly. So until next time, thanks for watching. Bye, guys. Bye-bye, everyone. We're in a Waffle House. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses. Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.